Well, good morning, church. Uh, I know for sure today spring is coming, and I'll tell you why. It's not just because of warm weather. Uh, We have a young man in our our church named Max Costner, and Max only wears shorts when (laughs) he's hiding his head, when when warm weather is coming, and today, Max is wearing shorts, okay? So, no spring is coming. It's more predictable, and that's more assuring than the groundhog, I'll tell you that, okay? So, uh, everybody's going to watch you now every Sunday, Max, but no. Uh, if you guys don't know who I am, my name is Ryan Graydon, and I'm a member here at Stonebridge Church. About once a month, I get the opportunity to teach, and I truly love teaching God's Word. And today, you guys, before we get into the text uh, that we're going to study today, uh, I want to preempt it because I'll let you know this has been super tough for me as I've been preparing over the last three or four weeks. In fact, so, so tough that about Wednesday, I, I emailed our elders and said, look, that outline I gave you, forget it, toss it, because I feel like God is stirring my heart another way. And what I was going to communicate just didn't seem to be communicating very well through the words that I was saying. And, and so this sermon this morning is as of Wednesday. But you guys, I think that when we are listening to God's words, we have to be mindful and obedient to what He tells us. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about prayer. And, and you are going to be left with a choice while you're sitting in those chairs whether to look at this and say, wow, I need to be obedient to this and follow and actually do it or be content with where you're at, knowing that it's maybe not what God is asking of you. And so uh, my intention is not to make it heavy. My intention is not to burden you. My intention is to teach you truth, but I also want you to know how good it is to know truth. There should be joy with that. And I, and I hope that you leave with joy and understanding prayer a little bit more. So let's just take a moment uh, real quick and pray as we get into this. Father, uh, you are holy and you are mighty and your will will be done whether we want it to or not. And God, this morning, As we jump into your text and your words, may we be willing to submit. God, our desire is to to know you more. And this morning, I pray that you would challenge our hearts and bother our minds so that we leave desiring change. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning... um, as I said, I studied this for the last two or three weeks, and you guys, I am I'm, I'm standing up here saying I've been doing things wrong, and, and I, am, I am working on a very long and slow fix to my prayer life, because my prayer life has been very different than what I believe the Scriptures is calling us to. So if you have your Bibles or your apps or your iPads or whatever you're using, if you would, turn to Luke chapter 11. We're going to start in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And I want to read to you a, a probably a familiar text, okay? You're going, to, you're going to, when we get into this, you're going to say, well, I've heard that somewhere. And, and we'll talk about that. So Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13 says this, 
he was praying. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. He also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The first half of this passage is probably familiar to you guys. Did you recognize something about that? A lot of us know that as the Lord's Prayer. And if you've been raised in, in any denomination, you have probably repeated the Lord's prayer, prayer. Our Father, let's say it together, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We know that. Well, we know the version that we repeat in the church, right? When I read this, and maybe some of you did the same, you're like, wait, 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 it's different. There's also a count in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, which is a little more like the one we're used, but it still doesn't exactly match what we just repeated. And you guys, I think that is the problem. This Prayer was given to us so we understood how to pray. It wasn't a prayer that we just repeat. There's good things in that prayer. But are we praying that prayer with the intentions that Jesus desired? 
Or do we just repeat it because we know it? My feeling is we don't mean it. We don't say it with the intentions that we ought to. Last month, I had the privilege to teach on Luke chapter 9. And if you remember that message, I shared the biblical boot camp. I shared four points, one of which was prayer. And in that, I taught you guys, hey, if you want a good balanced prayer, do the A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. I said, that gives you a good opportunity to just really balance your prayer and make sure that you're kind of hitting all the wrong points. But that was just the surface, you guys. That's just a surface teaching of what I believe prayer should be. And as I studied for this message, I read a lot of quotes that really convicted me. One of those was from A.W. Tozer, and he wrote on the discipline of prayer, and Tozer, if you don't know, is, a, is an amazing pastor and teacher and theologian. He's, he's gone now, but if you read his stuff, man, talk about a God who has focused his life on the study of Scripture and a relationship with Jesus Christ. But Tozer said something in this book. The book was called Daily Devotional Readings, and, and he said this, and it struck me hard. He said, prayer among evangelical Christians, which is what we kind of are, is always in danger of degenerating into a glorified gold rush. Prayer is in danger of becoming a glorified gold rush. And what he means by that is the Christian culture has begun to take the discipline of prayer and make it into something that, that we do because we want a certain outcome. Whether it be money or a personal situation or things that we want or we think we need, we expect that if we are praying to God, he will make everything better for us and it will solve all of our problems. Another well-respected Christian author, Warren Wearsby, wrote this in his book, On Earth As It Is In Heaven. He said this, The immediate purpose of prayer should be the accomplishing of God's will. Did you hear that? The purpose of prayer should be, the immediate purpose of prayer should be accomplishing God's will on earth. And the ultimate purpose of prayer is the eternal glory of God. You guys, this says nothing in there about our, what we get out of it. I think these statements are very true. One of them was warning that our culture has become one where we teach that we should pray, but really it's what we can get out of it. And the other is teaching what we should be doing, honoring God with our time of prayer. And my conviction, you guys, is that I've become a gold miner. My prayer life, if I look at it hard and think about it hard, is what I get. I've studied this passage and I read different things about the discipline of prayer and I have found three 
major things that I want you to learn today. I think we need to learn today. And these three truths about prayer are things that we must understand and live out, do, and practice if we say that we are Christians. And this is a bold statement, and I will say it very clearly. If you call yourself a Christ follower and you don't have a prayer life, you aren't a Christ follower. Let me say that again. If you call yourself a Christ follower and you don't have a real prayer life, and we're going to find out what that looks like, you aren't following Christ. The three things that I want to bring to note today that have weighed heavy on my mind over the last three weeks and, and have been brought through a lot of discussion are these three points. First, prayer must be for and in total submission of God's will, not ours. Prayer must be for and total submission of God's will, not ours. Number two, prayer must be a way of strengthening our relationship with the Heavenly Father. It has to be the way we use to strengthen our relationship with the Heavenly Father. And third, prayer must be an act of worship, recognizing who God truly is. Prayer must be an act of worship, recognizing who God is truly. So I want to spend the, the rest of the time together um, unpacking this. So let's start with that first point. Prayer must be for and in total submission of God's will, not ours. You guys, this was my first gut punch. And as I consciously thought through my prayer life, as I mentioned earlier, I feared that I had treated prayer as that gold miner, that I was trying to get something out of it. And when I thought through the prayers that I often hear myself praying, I heard myself saying, God, I pray that you would do as if I controlled him. God, give me, right? God, I want you to do. God, I need. It was sickening, you guys. And so many more lines in my prayer life. You guys, it's, it's not that it's bad to ask God for things. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, God teaches here in this second half of this passage, in verses 10 through 13, that that anyone who knocks will receive and anyone who seeks will find and the one who knocks the door will be open. God knows our needs. He knows also what we want and it's clearly okay to ask for that, but where is our heart while we are asking for these things? Is it so that we can benefit or so that God can benefit? Who's it ultimately for? Are our wants and our prayers aligning with God's desires? One of the greatest examples of prayer and asking for something is actually from Jesus himself. And if you have uh, your Bibles, jump over to Luke 22. 
Luke 22 gives an incredible account of Jesus praying. And this is, this is right before he's arrested. And I want you to hear his words very clearly. It says this, Luke chapter 22, verses 39, starting in verse 39, it says, He went out and made his way to, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he reached a place where he told them, uh, he reached that place, he told them, pray that you may not fall into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and began to pray. And listen. Jesus says this, Father, if you are willing, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It's pretty evident Jesus didn't want to go through what he knew was in front of him. And if he had his choice, he didn't want to do it. But twice in that one sentence, he says, if it's your will... Take this comfort from me, but if it's not, your will be done. You see, Jesus knew what was before him. And he still desired God's will. How many times in our prayers have we truly prayed for God's will to be done and what we're praying for? Truthfully, for me, I, I don't think I've ever really ended a prayer like that unless I've been repeating the Lord's Prayer in a church. And I think about that your will be done. To pray that honestly, you are giving up what you want for the desire of God. You have to give up your perfect ending, the way you want this situation to turn out and submit to how you feel, how you don't know God will turn it out. You have to trust that his decisions are best. You have to sit there and not always have the answer you want. Sometimes your answer is left unanswered for a time. And you even have to relinquish your timeline for your request. And as Americans, as Christians, as humans, you guys, that's not easy for us. And I will say this confidently. I believe if we are honest, we do not like it when we're not in control. And as much as we say or might say, God, your will be done, I fear the truth behind that sense is truly God, your will be done as long as it matches what I want. That's what's truthfully going on in here and in here. Church, I believe that our world would be a lot less messy if we would just get out of the way and let God do what he desires to do. Better yet, if we would truly do what we are called to as Christians and desire God's will for our lives and do what God, God desires of us, amen? When are we as Christians going to realize that God's desire is actually to care for us and do what's best for us, no matter what we think the outcome should be? Even what's best for us might cause us to suffer a cost, 
And truthfully, for me, some of the best lessons of life that have been taught with me is when things don't go my way. They were painful. They hurt. I don't ever want to go through them again, but they taught me something incredible. And I can, I can look back at every one of those situations and say, God knew best. We have to change our prayer life to reflect that God's will be done. The things we ask for, we need to first ask ourselves, is this God's will or is it mine? We need to truly desire to pray for that knowing he knows what's best for us and what's best for our relationship with God the Father, which leads me to this second statement concerning prayer. And that is, prayer must be a way of strengthening your relationship with your Heavenly Father. <laughs> prayer must be a way of strengthening your relationship with your Heavenly Father. My question to you right away is, how strong is your relationship with God the Father? You know, if you put that on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you lie? 10 being very strong and 1 being not strong at all, where would you say you're at? I think it's a good question to ask, and I will challenge that as we continue on. Think, think of where you're at. Again, if we call ourselves Christians and Christ's followers, we're supposed to have a close relationship to him, are we not? We're supposed to. I'm sure if I asked you to think about the relationships in your life, you could pull out at least a few names that really mean a lot to you. If you're married, hopefully your spouse, okay? I hope that's a first name, okay? Your children. Maybe there's a lifelong best friend. Maybe a sibling you're really close to. A coworker. There's got to be somebody in your life, I'm betting, that is truly worth in, enjoying time together and connecting on in a regular basis. Okay? Think of that person. For me... You know, uh, one of the things that I noticed is, is when I'm away on trips or gone for more than two or three days, I, I miss my family. I get homesick, you guys. I'm 42 years old. I get homesick. And some of those, I, I, I'm a hunter, and I go out west, and I will call home after three or four days being home and get teary-eyed talking to my wife because I miss her so much. And then when I come back, you know, I get my, my wife and my kids in the room, and I'm going to tell them everything that happened. I want to share every detail. And you guys, they kind of smile and nod as if they really care. I love it. And I sit there, and I just kind of regurgitate everything that's happened. And after I'm done, they just go about their business. But I want to talk to them. I want to catch up. I want to see what's going on. And when I don't see close friends for a while, I desire to spend time with them. Do you understand what I'm saying? You yearn to be with these people. You want to catch up on what's happening. In January, for me, I, I've had a, a friend for over 15 years. And we were uh, pretty, pretty close in college, saw each other regularly. But over those years, we know we both got married and started having children. And I moved to Dayton, and, and he's still in Ames. And boy, every year we'd text each other happy birthday. And, and when we saw each other, we caught up. But we always, always said, we got to get together. We got to get together. And in January, I said, man, okay, that's it. 
We've been saying this for 15 years. We are hanging out at least once a month. And so since January, him and I have met at least once a month over lunch and just caught up. And you guys, I, I, I truly am excited for those lunch meetings. And that time flies. You know what I'm saying? When you're talking to somebody, the time just zips by and we're catching up. And even, even though it's only been a month since we've last seen each other, there's so much to share. He's a close friend and I, and I love spending time with him. And when you have a good, healthy relationship with somebody like that, you have a will and a desire to talk and connect with them. And so I ask you this question, knowing that about these people in our lives, how is your relationship with Jesus? When I matched the two as I was studying for this text, boy, I felt a little guilty. I'm a Christian. God is my best friend. But I spend all this time with this other best friend. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, during those days, Luke's writing, during those days he went out to the mountain to pray and he's talking about Jesus and it says he spent all night in prayer to God. In Matthew 14, 23, it says, after dismissing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain by himself to pray well into the night. He was there alone. You know, my first reaction to that is, pray all night, holy smokes. But I also see that if Jesus did this, man, he had an incredible personal relationship with God the Father. He wanted to catch up. And time probably flew for him. This is not the only time that the Scriptures record Jesus in prayer. For long periods of time, Jesus communicated with God his Father. He desired to be in conversation with him. He desired to know his will. He desired to just talk to him. It wasn't a duty that he had to complete. It wasn't a checklist item that he thought he had to accomplish each day. You see, Jesus had a relationship with God. And he desired, he desired to spend time with him and know him better. I want you to think about the hours you've spent in conversation with your spouse, your hopefully best friend. Think about maybe those, those gatherings of family and the vacations or times that you weren't distracted by the TV and you sat and spent long conversations, maybe over a, a campfire or a game of cards or just sitting at the table at a meal and you talk and you caught up. We do this because we truly love and enjoy and care for these people. We want to spend time with them. We want to draw nearer to them. Talking and conversations brings a relationship that has a, a deeper meaning and understanding. And we value that. So again, I ask you, how is your relationship with Jesus? We don't have the time today, and I would encourage you to go back and read this passage in John chapter 17, the entire chapter, you guys, 
is an account of a long-recorded prayer of Jesus's. And in this account, he's talking to his father, and it seems so natural. And he prays for himself, but in that prayer for himself, he asks that God would be glorified in all that he has done. And then he switches and he begins to pray for his disciples that they may be one with God like they were with Jesus in his, in his earthly ministry that, and that God would protect them in his name. Again, he's asking for God's will and all of this. He also prays for all the believers that are now following Jesus that they would be unified in Jesus' name, that they would know and love Jesus and love God as a result of that. You see, in this entire prayer, Jesus is asking and requesting things, but it's not out of personal or selfish gain. He's asking that God would be glorified in all of this, that his name would be made great, that he is asking for things that he, is, he knows is within God's will. And how does he know that's within God's will? Because he has a relationship with him. He talks to him. Church, if we compare our eagerness to nurture our greatest relationships with conversation and time and getting to know one another, can we say that our relationship with God the Father is also one of our greatest relationships? Balance those two. Do you talk to him as often as you talk to your spouse or your best friend? Do you talk to him with the depth that you talk to these people in your life? As Christians, we often say that we love God. Do we? Do we desire a relationship with him like we desire it with the people previously mentioned. And if not, you guys, I fear I would have to label us liars. That's what I felt. Ryan, you say that God is the most important relationship in your life, yet you don't spend the time with him like you do other people. I felt guilty. And the description of that, you guys, is I am lying. I don't want to. I don't mean to be brunt. And that's, again, what I think of myself. I want a sincere relationship with Christ. I want to say and mean it. God is most important in my life. I love God. So how do we do this? Well, I ask you, how do you meet a person? You develop a relationship. You start talking to them. You start getting to know them. Through conversation, church, we need to start talking to God and talking to Him often. Start reading His Word. And through prayer, just talk to Him about it. Ask him to be the center of your life and your mind and your thoughts and your concerns. Ask him to reveal himself to you more every day. Those are all requests that I know are within God's desire and will for your life.
And as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for your life. We need to practice and discipline to talk to God. And know that prayer should not be routine. If you're making it routine, you guys, I, I fear you're following, falling into a category of religion. Things you have to do if you believe this. Make prayer part of your faith. What you desire to do because he loved you first. My third point. Prayer must be an act of worship. Recognizing God for who he truly is. Prayer too often, as I mentioned earlier, becomes about us too quickly. And if I were to record some of my times in prayer and play them back and analyze them, I, sure I, I, I know I would be embarrassed to see that a lot of it centered around me. I would most likely see a very self-centered person and a self-centered pattern to my prayer life. And, and it's not that we aren't supposed to ask, for God, ask God for things. It's okay to do that. But again, what are our intentions in doing that? That he would be glorified or that we would be satisfied? King Hezekiah is a king in the Old Testament, and he was a boy king that brought Israel back to worshiping the one true God after generations of falling away from God. And in 2 Kings 19, verse 15, he begins a prayer with this, and I want you to hear this. He says, Lord, God of Israel, recognizing he is over all these people, enthroned between cherubim, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You made the heavens and the earth. You can hear King Hezekiah realizing the grandeur and the mightiness of who God is. In 1 Chronicles 17, King David begins a prayer with this, Lord, there is none like you. And there is no God besides you. All we have confirms this. And in the Psalms, we know David cries out many times to God. And in those Psalms, he's exalting God for who he is. How mighty he is. How great is he. And in Romans, we see Paul write a hymn of praise. And it says this, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor and who has ever given to God that he should not be repaid? And from him and through him and to him are all things to him. Be the glory forever. Amen. Paul realized how great God was. Church, do we recognize who we're praying to? Do we recognize his greatness? Do we know how lucky we are to be invited into a conversation with the creator of the universe? That he would care to hear from us, that he would count us valuable enough to listen to our words. Do we treat him with the honor and respect that we deserve by his character, that he deserves by his character? Let me remind you very quick who we're praying to. 
If you have your Bibles and you want to turn, Revelation 4. And this is just the account of end times. This was a vision given to John. And John describes the throne room. And I want you to hear this because this is who is listening to you. John says in verse 2 of chapter 4, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and there was a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on it. And the one seated there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian stone, and a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. Are you picturing this in your head? And around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with golden crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like the sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. And four living creatures covered with eyes in front of it and, and, and in back were around the throne on each side. The first living creature was like a lion. The second creature was like an ox. The third living creature had the face of a man. And the fourth living creature was a flying eagle. And each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, 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 Lord God, all the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before the one seated on the throne and worshiped the one who lives forever and ever. They even cast their crowns down before the throne and said, the Lord, our Lord and God, you are, to, are worthy of all glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Does your prayer time recognize a God like this? Do the words we say contain honor and respect due to this scene? Do we worship him with our words as we talk to him? Do we realize how blessed we are that somebody this great desires to hear our words and our minds and our hearts? I almost wonder, as I think of that scene, as, as God is sitting on that throne and all of a sudden I shout out a prayer and he goes, shh, 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 shh. I want to hear Ryan. Do I deserve that? How we pray should reflect on who God is, not ourselves. This passage in Luke challenges us in these three ways. The Lord's Prayer. Again, my first point, prayer must be for and in total submission of God's will, not ours. We hear that. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And prayer must be a way of strengthening your relationship with the Heavenly Father. Again, just having the opportunity to appreciate who God is in that verse. I think it's two. Church, we need to worship the one who truly deserves it. We need to verbally and mentally recognize who God is and tell him appropriately. And we're thankful for that. 
And if you're sitting here today, like me, going, I got things to work on. That's okay. The danger is leaving here and going, eh. Because you will be missing out on something beautiful. When we pray for God's will and we strengthen our relationship with God and when we begin to worship Him through prayer, you guys, there will be a joy that you have never experienced before. To have a relationship with the Creator, a growing relationship that should grow till your last breath will not be wasted. To feel the comfort and assurance of a Savior because you know He cares for you. He truly cares for you because you talk to Him every day and feel that comfort when, when the challenges of life come. Who wouldn't want that? God desires to know you and He wants you to know Him. What an incredible opportunity He has given us. And so the challenge to us is this. When are we going to take prayer seriously? When are we going to practice prayer as God designed it? And when are we going to just stop saying that chanted prayer and mean it? I know and believe that if we fell into this and practiced this discipline of prayer, we would experience something that we've never experienced before. Let's pray. Father, you are holy and mighty and powerful and, and our human minds can't even comprehend who you are. And Father, I, I know man would spend a lifetime understanding you. God, this morning, I just pray that as we gather as a body of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, please convict us of our wrongs. And Father, let your Holy Spirit guide us loudly into how we should be talking to you. And God, may we pray for your will on this earth, not ours. And may we throw a selfishness aside and desire, even if it's scary, what you would want for us. God, I thank you for all that you've given us. I thank you for all that you are. And I pray that for me, I would continue this that I've just discovered. I pray that it would change my life. I pray that it would change all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.